What's missing? UNC is yet to find that secret ingredient that brings together the 22-23 Tar Heels and turns them into the team we all expected them to be. What is it? You are Locked on Tar Heels, your daily podcast on the UNC Tar Heels, part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. Hey there, it's Wednesday, January 4th, 2022. Welcome into the Locked on Tar Heels podcast, the only daily North Carolina show out there. I'm your host, Isaac Shade. I want to thank you for diving in and joining us, making it your first listen or watch of the day. Today on the show, we are going to preview the pit game coming up tonight. I want to update you on some news we learned on Tuesday about possible NCAA tournament expansion. Yes, I know it's miserable and awful, but I got to give you the news on it. But first, on further review, what's the missing piece? I, I feel like I keep looking back at this pit game, and it, in some ways it's kind of a microcosm of lots of things that have happened this year. And it's like, what what's missing? What am I not seeing? Let me let me put it this way to you. When my family goes to a restaurant, I like to play a game with my kids where after we order and we're waiting on our food, I'll take a couple things out of my pocket or some things off the table and set them up. Maybe it's a salt shaker, a pen like I've got in my hand right now. Uh, I've got some extra batteries over here. And so my son packs, he'll memorize what the five or six things are on the table. And then he'll close his eyes. I'll take one of them away. And I say, okay, what's missing? And then his job is to figure out what's not there, how to make this set complete again, and how to make it what it's supposed to be. I feel like that's what's happening with the Tar Heels right now. There's something missing and I'm stumped by it. I look at the table and I can't see what it is that, Paxton took off the table to make the set incomplete. There's something not clicking with North Carolina right now. At some point last year, they found that, whether it was uh, a, from a personnel standpoint, when Brady Manick was inserted into the starting lineup after Dawson Garcia's injury and ultimate um, decision to go home and be with his family as they went through a difficult time. That ended up giving Carolina just the right mix to, to allow all five of that iron five to do exactly what they needed to do. It was just the right recipe of things. Whatever that thing is, whatever that missing ingredient, that missing piece, whatever you want to call it is this year, whatever that thing is, North Carolina hasn't found it yet. Maybe it's the coaches haven't found it and, and helped the players put it in. Maybe it's the person, the, the players themselves haven't been able to just put their fingers on it and make it come together. And so what is it? Is it another personnel change similar to last year? We talked about this a couple of weeks ago on the show, but is it worth considering a starting lineup change? Man, when, when I look at the lineup, I don't see much of whom, like the only person I would even begin to point to might be Pete Nance. Um, and, and if so, I think you go most likely with puff, um, coming in for him. Although, yeah, I mean, I, anybody else I think of, if I think of Tyler nickel and his offensive ability, his shooting, 
you lose a lot there defensively. It's just like, where do you go with that? What is that missing piece? If it's another personnel change, is it something in how many minutes the bench depth is getting? Maybe it's not about um, changing the starting lineup, but it's more about how do you utilize the various rotations and depth and three guard lineup and, and things of that nature. Maybe it's a scheme tweak like Carolina had a couple of weeks ago where they changed how Baycott was getting to the rim or where he was stopping offensively. It's like now, instead of stopping out front as much, just get to the rim. We'll find you. And, and he's been on fire since three straight 20 plus point games. Maybe that's the thing. Maybe it's already in. It just hasn't caught hold yet in as big a way as it needs to. So maybe, maybe the, the thing is already there and we're just missing it. What, like what else is there? that can give this team the mix they need to best utilize who they each individually are and what that means about who they can corporately be as a team, be it the starting five or the eight, nine, 10 players that are going to play night in and night out, whatever it is. I don't think either the Tar Heels haven't found it yet, or they haven't figured out how to fully put it into play yet. And we're still waiting to see. I still firmly believe that what happened last year can happen this year. But it's got to happen. Now, one of the things uh, that we know is that that loss to Pitt looks a little bit better as they follow it up with a win against Virginia on Tuesday night. So there, there are some things. I would love to know your thoughts. What do you think is that missing ingredient? Is that missing piece? Is that ingredient that maybe just needs tweaked a little bit to make this team what it needs to be? That said, here's what I'm looking for against Wake Forest tonight in the Dean Smith Center. Number one is the free throw line. This so far is your most uh, productive offensive spot as a team. So you got to continue to lean into it. I don't think Carolina has any plans on getting away from it, but I just want to encourage that and say, keep getting to the line at a high rate. Armando Baycott by himself is drawing about seven fouls a game. As a team, they're going to the line 25.4 attempts per game so far this season, making 18.6 of them. When you look at the fact that Carolina is averaging 80.9 points per game, 18.6 of which are coming from the line. That means Carolina is averaging a full 23% of their points from the free throw line. 23 in the Jordan year. I think he approves. <laughs> so get to the free throw line against Wake Forest. Number two, your second most productive offensive spot right now is that man we just talked about, Armando Baycott. He has to touch the ball on every offensive possession. Like Hubert Davis needs to mandate that. Guards, your job is to figure out a way, possession in and possession out, to get Armando Baycott the ball in position to succeed. Whether that's two feet already in the lane and just turn around and lay it in, whatever it is, Armando Baycott has to be a conduit through which Carolina operates offensively. Number three, you cannot have lapses. You have to play a full 40 minutes of basketball in this game. We can recognize Carolina's second half was not great against Pitt. Going back to what I just said about Virginia um, losing to Pitt last night on Tuesday night, the same was true. Pitt had a great second half. So maybe that's part of it is Pitt's just a good second half team. 
But the issue for Carolina against Pittsburgh, yes, it was the second half, but it was made important, the second half outcome, because of Carolina's lapse down the stretch of the first half. There was about a three and a half minute stretch where the Tar Heels, after having built out a, a very comfortable lead in the first half, turned the ball over on five out of six possessions, uh, allowing Pitt to get right back in and tie things up. That's not what you can do. I know Carolina stretched the lead back out, but had they not done so, had they not had that stretch of turning the ball over five times in six possessions, what what do you do? Like if you score on just three of those even and, and expand to a double-digit lead, what would have been the only double-digit lead of the game, who knows what that means for the second half. No lapses at all. Carolina has to be so dialed in the entire game against Wake Forest. Number four, the thing that that I'm kind of looking for after what I've said about I, I don't know where or what that missing piece is, and I'm not sure Carolina has figured that out yet either. Who's going to do something unexpected in this game against Wake Forest? I, I'm being really dramatic and passionate about this because I believe that this is a really important game at this point in the season. The Tar Heels are one and two in conference play, um, had had that stretch of turning that four-game losing streak into a four-game winning streak, and you're feeling a little bit better, like, okay, maybe we got some things figured out, and then there's this loss to Pitt. And so to me, this is a massive opportunity. You're at home. You got to win. So who's going to do something unexpected to make that happen? Is it a big game from Pete Nance? Nance started off hot in that pit game, and, and whether it was, you know, it seemed like he was dealing with some back injury or whatever, maybe so. Maybe So maybe it's Pete Nance having a big game. Maybe it's somebody off the bench coming in and having a double-digit scoring game. Maybe it's Tyler Nickel, who we mentioned just a second ago. Maybe it's Seth Trimble. Um, doing a little more offensively than he has been. You know, he's been doing a lot individually defensively. Um, this will be DeMarco Dunn's second game back. Maybe there's something he's got in store for the Demon Deacons. Maybe it's finally Jalen Washington's opportunity to get some playing time. I'm not optimistic about that based on what we saw at Pitt, but but maybe there's this, hey, we're, we're going to hold you off a little more on the road, but when we're at home in the friendly confines, as it were, we're going to get Jalen Washington some minutes. So we'll watch out for that as well. We talk about this missing piece that we're looking for. This is an opportunity to, I wouldn't say start figuring it out. I would say continue uncovering it, peeling back the onion layers, whatever kind of vi visual image you want to use to have that conversation. Carolina has to get that figured out. And this is some of the ways that they can go about doing so. Well, I want to talk specifically about Pitt, what you can be expecting, or excuse me, about Wake Forest, what you can be expecting as they come into the Dean E. Smith Center tonight, Wednesday night. I'll tell you all about that very soon. But first, this episode is brought to you by Bet Online, who's your number one source for sports betting info, stats, news, and analysis. Get the latest odds and trends for every professional and amateur league out there. From pro football to the college football bowl season to basketball, they've got it all at betonline.net. So make sure you check out the lines for this game tonight against Wake Forest. I'll give it to you here in just a second. They're always the fastest and easiest way to get your sports betting info at Bet Online. So head to the website today or use your mobile device to learn more about all the trends in action. 
Bet Online, where the game starts. March Madness is right around the corner. If you want to win your office pool, you need to stay caught up with all the college basketball action with the Locked On College Basketball Podcast. Every Monday, Andy Patton and Isaac Shade recap the biggest stories in college basketball, keep you up to date on the NCAA tournament bubble, and get you ready for the upcoming week of games. From the Big East to the Mountain West and everywhere in between, Andy and Isaac have college hoops covered on the Locked On College Basketball Podcast. Available on YouTube and wherever you get podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Okay, North Carolina, Wake Forest, 9 p.m. Eastern time. It's a late one, folks, but it's a great point to go ahead and say it right now. Tune in to Locked on Tar Heels after the game. I'll have about a 15, 20-minute postcast live for you where you'll be able to hop in, uh, get into the chat, ask some questions. I'll answer them in real time. Would love to have that interaction with you after this game, win or lose. So 9 p.m. Eastern time on ACC Network. Again, it is at home in the Dean E. Smith Center. Great opportunity to get right after coming home from Pittsburgh, where Carolina is coming off of uh, playing eight out of their last 10 games on the road. That should not be missed. Heels are favored by 10 in this game per our friends at Bet Online. The over-under is set at 150 and a half. So both teams scoring about 75 points is the projection there. Uh, as you look at the way it plays out on Ken Palm, Ken Palm projects North Carolina 80 uh Wake Forest 70 as the score and gives the Demon Deacons an 18, 18, not 80, 18% chance to win this game. The Demon Deacons right now are 10 and 4 on the season. They're 87th at Ken Palm. Their losses are to Loyola Marymount on a neutral court. That ain't a pretty picture. I'll just tell you that right now. At Clemson, so a true road loss. Carolina's had a couple of those themselves uh, this season. And, and that Loyola Marymount game, I mean, you don't want to lose that. They're ranked 103rd at Ken Palm, which isn't awful. And, I mean, truth be told, that's not that far behind Wake Forest's 87. So uh, I guess we should mention that. They also lost to LSU on a neutral floor, and they lost at Rutgers. And I know you hear that and you're like, Rutgers, that's a miserable loss. It's actually not. Rutgers is 16th right now in Ken Palm. Um, and that's a true road game at Rutgers, by the way. And did you see what Rutgers did beating uh, one of the final two undefeated teams and number one in the nation, Purdue, earlier this week? So uh, not a bad loss in terms of opponent against Rutgers, um, but they were blown out by 24. So the loss itself is not great. As for their wins, not too long ago, I would have said that Wake Forest's best win, Yawn, was at Wisconsin, and that doesn't move the needle much at all. However, their last two games, both at home, I'll, I'll give that caveat, but one against Duke, 81-70, so it's not like they needed a buzzer beater or anything, and then they beat Virginia Tech. That one was a close one, 77-75 on New Year's Eve. And so uh, Wake Forest got a little bit of a, a some movement going. They have one, two in a row, so they're going to come in. Um as you look at the the starting lineup, at least what they've done the past couple games, they've changed around a little bit. 
Um, but they've got, in terms of the size of the front court, that can match up with Carolina. Matt Marsh is a 7-1 sophomore. Andrew Carr is a 6-10 junior. And so those guys can match up with Baycott and Nance. Make no mistake about it. Damari Monsanto uh, is 6-6 guard. So a couple, a little bit shorter than Leaky Black, but um, will certainly be able to hold his own. And then the uh, the backcourt is similar, similarly sized as well. 6-4 Cam Hildreth and 6-1 Tyree Appleby, who is the main name to know. And both of those guys match up size-wise with RJ and Caleb. So keep your eyes out on that. Um uh, my caution with this is kind of similar to what I cautioned about with the pit game heading into it. This is not a bad Wake Forest team. Yes, they're ranked outside the top 75. It's not even remotely close to a quad one opportunity, but they're they're a good team and you must take them seriously. Um, they, again, they've beaten Duke. <laughs> they've beaten Virginia Tech. Um all the more you want to take this game seriously because you lost to them by 22 in Winston-Salem last year. You got to get some payback for that. And and Steve Forbes is a great coach. Wake Forest won 25 games last year. Don't miss that fact. Once again, they are having to rely on quite a few transfers. Last year uh, was kind of an unexpected year for Wake, those uh, 25 victories. Why? Well, Alondis Williams transfers in. And you're not expecting him to be the level that he was turning into the ACC player of the year. At, at least the person who was voted as the ACC player of the year, we all know it should have gone to Armando Baycott. But then also, um, even on a more unexpected thing for Wake, Jake LaRavia comes from Indiana State, does great work, and is drafted ultimately in the first round. They don't have that level of talent this year, Wake Forest, with Alondis Williams or Jake LaRavia. But they do have Division I basketball players, guys who are really strong. Um, where Williams goes out, Tyree Appleby comes in by way of Florida, by way of Cleveland State. Played two years at each of those schools, and now he is at Wake Forest. He's the dude you got to be aware of, 6'1", so he'll likely be um, an assignment for R.J. Davis. Although we've seen Coach um, Davis put Leaky Black on a player like Kihei Clark from Virginia, who's also diminutive like that. So uh, I, I guess I shouldn't say it'll definitely be RJ's assignment, but we'll watch out for that. Appleby had 32 at Wisconsin, that, that big win of theirs that I mentioned, which is now I, I would classify as their third biggest win. Although as a true road game, that's, that's a big deal. He leads this team in points, 18.4 per game, assists 5.4 game. That's a lot of helpers and 1.6 steals per game. So you got to watch out for Appleby. He's going to make things happen for the Demon Deacons. Per Coach Forbes, they aren't as big as last year, although as you see, the front court matches up. The reason he says that is has switched some of his guards around because um, I, I mentioned Hildreth, who's 6'4", and uh, so you got a little bit more height with some of that. But they've got other guards that they've been transitioning in and out, and those guys do not have much height. They're six foot, six one, um, and so that wouldn't match up well. However, Coach Forbes says we're not as big as we were last year, but we have more skill. 
Um, so to that point about not much hype, even though they've got those massive dudes in the front court, Cam Hildreth is the leading rebounder. A 6'4 guard has 6.6 rebounds a game. So that's an interesting dynamic to watch out for. Wake's averaging 35 rebounds a game. Carolina is about 40. So you expect um, kind of right in line with what Carolina has been doing in rebounding this season, having a margin of about four or five. Um, and so it, it's kind of an interestingly similar matchup in terms of, of size here. Obviously, Carolina is the more talented team, um, but you got to put that together and you got to win this game. You got to do those things I talked about, get to the free throw line, let Armando feast, let Armando get guys in trouble, things of that nature. Mar Marsh, Carr, they are big dudes, but the guards are small and hard to be able to play at the same time. And so Carolina has to take advantage of that at the two and three positions with Caleb and Leakey. And then as they transition guys in and out, you got to make them pay um, that that's Wake Forest at the two at the shooting guard and small forward. So that is that game coming up tonight, nine o'clock. Make sure you are dialed in for our postcast. Would love to have you come join that conversation. Well, uh, some sad news or potentially sad news that came out on Tuesday. We move a step closer to the potential expansion of March Madness. I am not happy about this possibility at all, and I want to talk about it and get you up to speed as well. So we are once again facing this potential from the NCAA of NCAA tournament expansion. I don't want any part of that. Don't give me that. No, I'm, I'm just out. So what, what happens is right now there is the NCAA Transformation Committee. They've been working on, hey, what, what do we do NCAA-wide, not just um, college basketball, to, to improve, modernize, whatever you want to talk about doing. So on Tuesday, they made public their report as well as their recommendations. Multiple things, but the one that is most applicable in terms of college basketball, if that's what we're talking about, is a provision in which they want to, the, the Transformation Committee, to allow 25% of participating schools to be uh, eligible to participate in that specific sport's um, postseason championships, provided that sport has 200 or more participating schools. Make no mistake, college basketball does. What that means, there's 363 teams in Division I of college basketball. That means if you go up to 25% of those teams being allowed to compete in the NCAA tournament, you know what that number jumps to? It ain't 68 anymore. It jumps all the way up to 90.75. And so you'd expect, uh, if that happens, the NCAA to try to figure out a way to get 90 teams into a bracket and what that might look like. Uh, the NCAA is going to vote on these recommendations next week. There's an NCAA convention in San Antonio, Texas. So uh, everyone, please go now and uh, set up where you want to pick it and say, do not expand this tournament. It's already too big as it is. Now, I, I should say, though, keep in mind, at this point, this is a recommendation. It is not a, a requirement. It is not a mandate, but it is something that's on the table. One of the frustrating things to me is that this is being driven by Greg Sankey, the commissioner of the SEC. Uh, he has been all sorts of in favor of, of this expansion. And it's no, I mean, it doesn't take a 
sleuth. It doesn't take Sherlock Holmes to figure out why we at the SEC are continuing to build our conference, more teams, more depth. And that means we want to get more of our members into the NCAA tournament. How do I do that? Expanding to 90 or whatever teams. And so uh, I just don't like it. It smells funny to me. I'm not saying there's inappropriate things going on, but Sankey throws around a lot of weight um, and is clearly trying to do so here. And so I'm really hoping that people won't kowtow to that and that they will stand up and say, listen, let's not continue to mess with one of the best things in collegiate sports and the, the, the biggest thing for the NCAA. Because keep in mind, the college football playoff is not under the auspices of the NCAA. Well, some things that give me some hope about uh, this change not happening. Right now, the current TV rights deal, which, as you know, the, the TV rights is what it's all about, goes all the way through 2032. So we got another decade under the current TV media rights deal. So I'm not expecting anything to happen in the immediate future. Um now, think, things can be changed and altered potentially, and so I know they're going to try to have those conversations if this recommendation is followed to expand, so we'll have to keep our eyes on that. But because of things like this current TV rights contract going, again, through 2032, uh, I think that gives some pause to the at least rapid expansion of the NCAA tournament, so we'll see what that may be. For my money's worth, you know what I want to say? This is going in the exact opposite direction of what it should do. I think 68 is too many teams. Let's get back down to 64 teams. That's all it should be. It's perfect. You don't have play in games. I know that people would say, but then, you know, there's these teams that have made it all the way. Yeah, great. But 64, that's the number. And by the way, if we are going to have play in games, it should be all at large teams. Anyone that's an automatic qualifier should be in the main bracket of the NCAA tournament. This is a drum I bang year in and year out. And so anytime it comes up, I want to talk more about it. So um, either we should drag the number down back to 64 instead of up to 90 or 363 teams in division one college basketball, perhaps <laughs> go with me. That's too many teams. It's bloated. FBS football, FCS football seems to be working out just fine to have division one divided in half. And it gives more teams at that mid to lower tier opportunities to legitimately compete for a national championship. So if you want to maintain this idea of 20, 25%, cool. Let's make some divisions where it doesn't make the tournament so big. Seems like another opportune solution to me, but you know, it's not going to happen because why dollar signs. If you're watching, you see me doing it. If you're listening, maybe you can hear me doing it. I'm doing it very close to the microphone, the dollar sign thing. I, like, the more teams that we get to see on TV, the more money there is. But yeah, what happens the more you dilute the product? Are, are you going to continue to get as many eyeballs? Maybe so. 
but I'm not convinced of that. Anyway, much more to come on this development. As I said, they're voting on it next week, and then we'll start to have more of an idea of what's actually going to happen. So make sure to stay tuned in on that. Um, and we'll be talking about it more in depth, honestly, on Locked On College Basketball. So come make sure to check out the conversation there as well. Well, friends, that's it for today's episode of Locked on Tar Heels. Please do <clears throat> make sure you come back tonight after the game. If you're like me and you like to be up late, we're going to be doing a postcast. <coughs> Excuse me. But if you can't stay up for that, no big deal. Thursday's show is going to unpack the game, recap it, four corners recap, shady stat of the game, all that great stuff. Our guy, Pat Kilby, will be with us. He couldn't, unfortunately, be with us on today's Wednesday show like normal, but he'll be right back on Thursday. You can follow the show on Twitter at Locked on Heels. You can follow me at Isaac Shade. Would also love you to send an email. Been starting to get more and more emails coming in. I love it. Love it, love it. Keep them coming. LockedOnTarHeels at gmail.com. Please don't forget to submit nominations for the heel of the week and the heel of the week. Uh, we want to make that a legitimate part of every Friday's show, and so come be part of that. Thanks for making Locked on Tar Heels your first listen. For your second listen, check out Locked on Sports Today. <laughs> Biggest stories of the day, instant reactions, big game recaps, and, of course, the take of the day. Available on Odyssey, YouTube, and anywhere else you get podcasts. Please don't forget to subscribe, smash the like button, leave comments on your thoughts on this Wake Forest game. <clears throat> really appreciate you joining me on a Wednesday to hang out, talk Carolina basketball, get you ready for this game tonight, and talk about the potential unfortunate expansion of the NCAA tournament. Regardless the case, it's always a great day to be a Tar Heel, right? You know it, I know it. Until tonight, or if you can't stay up, until tomorrow, peace. <laughs>